Street. Um, so glad that y'all are here this morning. I know it's not the, the prettiest of days today, but it's still a joyful day to get to be with you all here in worship. For those joining online, we're so happy that you've joined us online as well. Um, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go lead right on into worship. I'm just so happy that you guys decided to come today. It's going to be a wonderful day in the house of God and we're going to have a lot of fun, okay? So I'm going to pray for us and our praise band is going to lead us in worship. So let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We come to you in this space wanting more of you um, and less of us. Uh, we have a lot going on in our world and in our personal lives, and I just pray that um, we give all of that to you in this moment so that we can take in all that you have for us. Help us to focus, help us to not be distracted, and help us to uh, engage with your spirit today so that when we walk outside of these walls, we can continue to be the hands and feet of Christ as you have called us to be. We love you so much, and you are welcomed in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand and begin worship?
have a seat. Amen, amen. Thank you, praise band. So now we've come to the time in our service where we want to lift up those in our congregation and those around our congregation who need prayer requests. We want to remind you of Dudley Dearman and Tim Cole during their cancer treatments. We want to pray for complete healing over them. We want to pray for Miss Jewel Jones that she's gone through knee replacement um, and she is doing okay. I also want to lift up Miss um, Carol Marshall as well as the Stuart Gamble family due to his passing this week. Is there anybody else that you would like to uh, lift up aloud during this time? Okay, if you could with me, then we'll pray the words on our screen and you pray the bold with me. Um, Almighty God, grant that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit including those we mentioned today. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us stand and continue to worship.
confesses that he is God. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. I know we have some boys and girls out there. Not everyone is gone on spring break. Good morning, good morning. All right. I'm so glad to see all of you at the end of this week. We are all going to be celebrating a holiday. Uh, let me ask you, are any of you Irish? Have any of you ever lived in Ireland? No? I was hoping maybe one of you had lived in Ireland before because we're going to be celebrating St. Patrick's Day. That's right. And that is... Um, has to do with some, somebody who's named St. Patrick. Do you believe that? He was a real guy. He... Well, she knows everything. We should, I should just give her the mic. Um, he was a missionary. Did you know that? And he worked to bring Christianity to the country of Ireland. And when we think about Ireland, we think of the color green. You know, and they have some interesting traditions like leprechauns and shamrocks, which are clovers, and then things being lucky. And some good things, some the four-leaf clover, some things that bring good luck are the four-leaf clover or finding a penny in a road or rubbing a rabbit's foot. But bad luck, walking under a ladder, about that or breaking a mirror they're saying that would bring bad luck you know if we worry about what's going to bring us good and bad luck it's just going to make us feel scared on the inside Sometimes, yes, you, it makes you want to try to run away and hide. God doesn't want us to run away and hide. You do play hide and seek with mommy and daddy, but they always find you, don't they? Uh-huh. That's fun to do that. I used to play that with my boys, too. And, you know, God doesn't want us to go hide. God doesn't want us to be worried about things. He doesn't want us to waste our minds on fear because he wants us to trust him because he's always in charge. Even when things aren't so great, you know what? God is in charge. We might not know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week, but what? God is in charge. That's right. When things are good, guess what? God is in charge. Yes. So everybody say that with me. Ready? God is in charge. I think we should have everybody join us. Y'all ready? Here we go. God is in charge. We might not know what our future holds, but God does. And doesn't matter. In the end, God wins because Jesus defeated death. And all of us, big and little, we all have things that worry us. And we all have things that are heavy on our hearts. Every single one of us. But God wants us to turn that worry over to him because God is in charge. That's exactly right. Let's say a prayer and then we're going to go upstairs, all right? Dear God, thank you for being in charge of all things and help us to put our trust and our hope in you, not fear, but love. Thank you for your love, and thank you for Jesus. And in Jesus' name, we always pray. Amen. Okay, let's go upstairs. Amen, amen. While the children are heading upstairs, we're going to recite our uh, statement of faith together, which you can find here on the screen. This is just kind of to center us as we go into our teaching time and remind us of who we are in God and what we are called to do. So let's say this um, all together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating. 
who has come in Jesus is the word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect and creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So as you can tell, I'm not Todd. Um, I'm Blake. For those of you who do not know me, I'm the minister of youth and families here. And so um, I'm really excited about today. And look, I have a really long scripture, so I don't know if they're going to have it on the screen, but I'm going to read it. And I'm going to read it pretty quickly because it's almost 40 or so verses, okay? And I'm not going to do the whole even odd thing um, because that'll be a lot of reading for everybody. So I'm going to go ahead and get into it. It's John chapter four, um, and it's Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son, Jacob. Wait, no, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph, because I can't read. Um, And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What have you said? What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship uh, must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will uh, worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then as his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Skipping to verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And so he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are not of me, but are of you. And I pray that you open, a, uh, open us all to what you have for us through this scripture today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So have you ever Google imaged Jesus Christ? Have you ever, if you grew up, I grew up in Catholic school, so we had religion books and we would always see these paintings. This is very ironic that this is here because I have no idea why this is here. But this is going to bring a good point. This is how God works. This is going to bring a good point. But we would see paintings of Jesus, right? We would see drawings because nobody has an official photograph, you know, a photograph of Jesus. So we have paintings and drawings and depictions just like we see here. Um, and if you Google image Jesus Christ, you have to sh- search a long ways and keep scrolling until you find one of him smiling. Right? You see all of these paintings of like just serious or rigid or judgmental or, you know, just like a pouty face kind of thing too. But like Jesus, 
I really believe was a very, very joyful man. Because he didn't come to just bring news. He came to bring good news. If this is a picture and it says the resurrection, that's the most exciting news we can have right there. And he's not just going to be like, now he's going to be like, come on now. I've got good news. Let's, let's hang out. Let's get to know me. Look what I can do for you. He wouldn't just be like that. You know what I mean? He'd be smiling. I think we like to think of Jesus as, I don't know, like a robot sort of thing. We're like, I'm going to do this and do that. But we have to remember, yes, he was 100% divine, but he was also 100% human, right? He's not just words on a page. He's just not painting on a canvas. He was a human that walked on this earth and he had emotions and he had pain. We know that Jesus wept, right? We know that Jesus got angry when he flipped the tables over in the temple. We know from last week when I told you that he cursed the fig tree, that he got hungry and got angry over being hungry and cursed that fig tree. So we know that Jesus is 100% human too. And if he came to bring good news, then I have to believe that he brought joy, that he had joy, that he smiled. He had a good time. I mean, the, the wedding at Cana, he partied, you know, in, in the um, Jewish culture, those weddings would go for days and they would have a good time with one another. Ain't no way he's just sitting there. You're, you know, turn the water into wine, you'll have fun. no. He is enjoying himself. He loves being with his people. He loves hanging out with them and smiling and being excited. And so I think we have to really remember how important that is for us to live our lives as Christians. And what I love about this story, these 40-something verses that I just read, is the joy that is there, and it's, what, it's the joy that will motivate us to go and live a life that God has called us to live. So let's think about this Samaritan woman, right? She is an outcast in three different ways. First of all, she's a woman. And we know back in those days that they didn't have hardly any rights or power or anything like that. So that's one part of her being an outcast. She was a Samaritan woman. So especially in this context with Jesus, who is Jewish, she's a little more of an outsider because Jews and Samaritans did not interact. And then number three, that she had a past, right? She had, uh, Jesus talked about her not having a husband and the five husbands and everything. And by the way, Slight tangent. It does not say in scripture that any of those were her fault. I think sometimes we like to make that assumption very ignorant of us to do that. But we have to remember that women didn't have the power to cause a divorce or, or create a divorce. It was always the men. They never said that the husbands could have died and then she remarried. And she probably also made mistakes. I'm not sticking all the way, but I'm just saying to put our assumptions into scripture, we can screw things up a little bit. But all of that to say... All of that to say is that she was a woman who was a, a Samaritan woman who was also an outcast in her own town because of her past. The reason she came to the well at noon in the heat of the day is because nobody else was going to be there. Everybody else comes in the cooler hours of the morning. But she came at noon, and Jesus knew that. And that's what I love about Jesus. He set this up on purpose so he could have an encounter with this woman. And so he sends the disciples away because he wants to have a one-on-one. He wants to have a good conversation. He starts telling her these things like, if you're thirsty, I've got the good water for you. This is going to keep making you thirsty, but I've got something better. And she keeps asking questions and keeps digging. And you notice Jesus is not belittling her for talking and asking questions. He's not getting on to her, but look, come on now. I'm trying to tell you I'm Jesus, right? He just slowly gets there and talks to her. And he finally says, when she says, I know the Messiah is coming, And he knows that she believes in that. So he says that the one you are talking to, I am he. And in this moment, you have to imagine how much shock, of course, like the son of God is talking to me, is engaging me, is acknowledging me. And then so much joy as she gets up and it says in scripture, she leaves her water jar. This is the only time she feels like she can get that water and she's just leaving it because she feels like she has to get up and go tell somebody, could this be the Messiah? Come and see the man who has told me everything about uh, who I am and what I've done. And I think that's so powerful because in the the next set of scriptures, it said many of the Samaritans from that town came to believe in Jesus because of her testimony. This woman was the first person in scripture besides the disciples that Jesus revealed himself to as the Messiah. And I don't want us to miss that either. And as soon as she found out that he was the Messiah. As soon as she felt that joy and experienced that life change with Jesus, she immediately was motivated to go and tell other people about it. And isn't that what we are called to do as the church? 
to live out of the joy that Jesus gives us, to live out of the excitement because we've encountered such a life change that all we can do is go and tell somebody about it. Have you ever gone and um, seen an awesome movie? I, don't, I haven't seen an adult movie in a long time. It's all kids' movies I've seen, Frozen 2 and all these things, which is great. But all these movies like Marvel or you've read a good book and you just felt like you had to tell somebody about, you've got to go see this movie. You've got to, it's, it is the best movie. Spoiler alert, this person dies or all, you know, whatever. You have to go read this book. It is a wonderful book. It is life-changing. Why don't we do that with our experience with Jesus? Why don't we sit back? If we call ourselves believers, if we are here and we say we do follow Jesus, then at some point in your life, you were one way, became another way, and then that middle was Jesus and he changed your life. Why are we not shouting from the rooftops, shouting from the mountain, being joyful about who he is? Because Jesus, despite that picture, was a joyful man, smiling and excited. And you have to believe that when he saw this Samaritan woman, when he saw her life change in front of his eyes, you know that he had to smile too, right? You know that he had to get excited. Let's think of another scripture. There is, remember the miracle where, so Jesus is walking to the house of Jairus and Jairus's daughter, it was really sick and ended up passing away. And Jesus, Jairus had found Jesus and asked him to go heal her. But on the way there, there was um, a big crowd around him. And, but there was this woman who had had a blood disease for over 12 years, right? And this blood disease, because of her disease, she was considered unclean by society. Nobody wanted to be with her. Nobody wanted to be around her. She was pretty much invisible because of a disease, by the way, that she didn't choose to have. But she had heard of Jesus of Nazareth. She had heard of the wonderful stories and the miracles and the kind of person that he is, not just the person, but also the Messiah. She knew that there was something special about him. So much, in fact, that while Jesus was on the way to go heal somebody else, she interrupted him. And I, I love it. I, I call it, uh, I've heard it in the past, call it holy interruption, which I love. And she knew, she just knew that if she could touch his cloak, that's it, that she would be healed of her disease. And so she, in that faith, gets in the middle of the crowd, a place where she doesn't feel like she belongs, a place where if people saw her, they would be very, very upset, reaches out, touches a thread of his cloak, and automatically she is healed because of her faith. Jesus said he feels the power come out of him. And look, that story could have continued. That's, he could have just let her be healed because that's great. And he could have just kept walking to go heal Jairus' daughter. But no, he stops. Right? He says, who touched me? And the disciples, being ding-dongs like they are a lot of times, are like, hey, um, you're in a big crowd. Why are you asking who touched you? Like, as if Jesus didn't have a purpose with his words, right? He said, who touched me? And he turns and he looks at the woman who has just been healed of a bloody disease, looks her in the eyes, and this is what Scripture says, calls her daughter. The Son of God just looked at her and called her daughter. So not only did this woman, who's been invisible for over 12 years and has not been able to live any sort of a good life because of the disease that she had and because of her being an outcast. She's now been healed physically, but now she's also been healed spiritually as God has looked her in the face through his son Jesus and called her daughter. How, just to be a fly, I don't know, they have walls back then, right? A fly in the wall or to be that woman, if we put ourselves in her shoes, how much joy there had to have been to be healed and to be seen by Jesus Christ. Like I can just, I can only imagine how there was so much hugging and jumping and celebrating because somebody who was lost, somebody who was in pain has now experienced Jesus. And if you recall what Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse seven, there is more joy in heaven over a sheep that is lost than the 99 who were never had to be found, right? There is that one who was lost that has come to be found in heaven is celebrating. Right, and if we follow the prayer that Jesus wants us to pray, right, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there's joy in heaven, then there's called to be joy here as well. And that is where you and I come to play. That's where you and I, who have experienced Jesus, who have been rocked by his grace and his love, go and tell other people about it. What I love about Jesus and in this story, this, the Samaritan woman is, a, is an outcast and she has in so much pain but even in all of that, Jesus met her where she was. 
but loves her so much that he didn't want to keep her there. Right? She, he encountered her, he addressed her, called the Messiah, and her life changed, and immediately she left everything to go tell other people about it. Are we doing that as the church? Are we being joyful in the experiences that we have of God? That's why I want this place, look, the praise band was rocking today, and I was just dancing along and smiling because I can't help but do that, singing the words that God reminds us of God and his glory and the love that he has for us. I mean, this, when you walk into a church or to a place where Christians congregate, it should be a place of joy. It should be a place of smiling, right? Jesus, remember the children flock to Jesus. And if you know kids, kids are not going to go to somebody who is dry and rigid and grouchy and just come hither children. No, no, he wants to, he, he, <laughs> that was dumb. I'm sorry. Um, but Jesus was a loving and joyful and playful and caring person, so much so that kids wanted to be around him too. And we forget that. But that's the kind of joy that we're called to carry too. I know, I know, I know, I know that this world is tough. I know that this world is hard, and I know that we will face trials. John, uh, Jesus even said it in John chapter 16, verse 33, that we're going to have troubles, we're going to have obstacles, but to take heart, for he has overcome the world. And because of him overcoming the world and because of the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given us when he ascended, we can overcome those things too. But if you're here this morning and you're hearing all this stuff about joy and excitement and you're not really feeling it, I promise you I'm, I completely understand. My family and I have been through some tough things. Um, and a lot of you know a little bit of our story, but Nora James, our eldest, almost passed away when she was five months old with RSV. Um, she was on a ventilator for three weeks in Lebanon. Um, Jonah, our four-year-old boy, who, if you were at the 11 o'clock a few months ago, like jumped over the altar. Um, so he's fine, but um, was born with a hole in his heart, and we didn't see him for hours after he was born. We didn't get to have that moment, really, with him. And then he was in the NICU for, what, four or five weeks or so um, after that. And then this past October, we wanted to have a, a third baby, and we uh, miscarried. Um, and then we also, uh, our foster child, who we had for over a year and a half, went to be with family. So there's a lot of stuff there. And we were angry. We were confused. We didn't feel joy. We didn't feel love. But do you want to know why I'm able to stand in front of you today and talk about the goodness of God and talk about the joy that comes with him? It's because of you. It's because of people like you, people who call themselves Christians and live their lives of, of, as, as Christians and, and are the hands and the feet. And when they see somebody knocked down, they pick up, right? When they see somebody who's not feeling love, they love even harder. When they see somebody who does have, has no joy, you surround us and you remind us of the joy that you have in, we have in God. Remember the paralyzed man that Jesus healed? His friends put him on the mat, let him get a hole through the roof, right, and laid him down. Do you guys remember that story? And Jesus heals him, but he says, you're healed, not because of your faith, but because of your friend's faith. I'm healed, and my family is healed because of your faith, because of your love for us. Because when we did not feel loved, you loved us all the more. When we just felt pain and confusion, you surrounded us and you walked with us in that and reminded us how good God really is. So if you are here this morning and you are in despair and you are in pain, please know that I understand that. But know that nothing you can ever do or walk in or walk through will you ever be alone. Nothing you can ever say, no mistake you can ever make, just as the example with the Samaritan woman who had a past, just like we all do and who was an outcast like a lot of us are. And she couldn't be separated from the love of God. You and I can never be separated from the love of God. And it's on us to remind ourselves of that. It's on us as a community. You know, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he didn't say, my father who art in heaven. He said, our father who art in heaven, because it's our faith. It's one we walk in together. And I promise you that I could not be up here speaking of the joy and the love and the goodness of Jesus if I wasn't reminded of that myself through your kindness and through your love. I was laying on the mat and you helped me get back up. And I'm so grateful for that. And so all of that to say, when we, it is a reminder as we come to the table this morning of 
the goodness of God, of what he has done for us, he gave up his life, right? Jesus gave up his life knowing that we may never come to him. That's how much he loves us. That's how much joy that he has over you. And he is, all, he is pursuing you with such an unconditional love. And he will never give up. And I pray that if you are here today and you are feeling no joy, feeling no love, that I can, we can surround you, we can remind you, and I can give you my testimony of how I've been loved when I was in despair. This table is a good reminder for me um, because when I think about what I've done, when I think about the places that I've been, all I have to do and each Sunday morning is to look back here and be reminded of how much each of us are cherished and how each of us are loved and how much joy God has over us. And when you come today, and by the way, here at Main Street, all are welcome to come to this table. It's not my table. It's not Main Street's table. It is God's table, right? And look, I love Todd. He says, he says heartily welcomed, and it sounds like hardly, but he means everybody's welcome, heartily. <laughs> Everybody is welcome. I just want to clear that up. Um, but this is a place where you come and you experience the grace and the love and the joy of God that he has over each and every one of you. This is a reminder that his body was broken for you, that his blood was shed for you so that you can have a full and abundant life here full of joy and full of grace and mercy and also a life eternal with him. So I pray that you are reminded of that as you come to the table this morning. Now, we'll say this. Todd consecrated on Thursday because <laughs> I'm, I'm not there yet. I did start licensing school, so I will get there eventually, I promise. But um, I, I do want to pray over this real quick um, as we get ready. And as I pray, if our um, communion servers could come forth and uh, when everybody is set and ready to go, you are able to come and, and receive communion. So let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you so much for this table. We thank you so much for the reminder of who you are, the joy that you have. We're so grateful for instances in, the, in Scripture like your encounter with the Samaritan woman who experienced such joy and excitement that she could do nothing but run and tell. And, and the experience with the woman who had the blood disease that even going through something that she didn't choose and being invisible, that she became visible because of you. And these are joyful things to celebrate. These are joyful things to be excited about. Father, remind us through this time at your table that you bring not just news, but good news. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to take that nobody came up, so nobody's been told about communion service. Okay, all right. So um, it's always, I can't believe how Todd does this. Mom, Dad, could you come and do it? And then church dad, yeah, you can come. Yeah, thank you. Um, awesome, awesome.
Thank you, thank you, praise band. I want you all to know that you bring joy to this place, and we're very grateful for you. Um, we do have a few announcements we want to make you aware of before we let you guys go. Um, Dr. Lutsenko, if you could stand up, please, so we can acknowledge you. Dr. Olga Lutsenko is the founder and president of the Kindness Foundation, and they do a lot of wonderful things, and she's going to be talking about them at the Quest Sunday School um, at 10 a.m. Following, uh, following our service here. So if you'd like to follow them up right after our service, there's a lot of good things that they're doing, and I know that she would love to talk to you about that. So I know part of what they're doing is uh, distributing Bibles in the former Soviet Republic countries of Russia, Ukraine, and Latvia. So I know there's got to be a lot of stories and a lot of great things there to talk about. So please find your way with Dr. Lutsenko, and I know you all are going to have a great time. Thank you. USM Wesley's Pastors Cook-Off is on Thursday, March 23rd from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Uh, there will be a silent auction, door prizes, and a chili cook-off between pastors. Um, I don't know what it is, but Purvis UMC, for some reason, like wins almost every year. But I think we can, uh, Todd's not a bad cook, I don't think. So we can, we can do this. We can win. Um, and Todd told me again to say, bring money. Bring money for this. So uh, we're so grateful for the Wesley and what they do. And this is a big part of uh, fundraising for them that'll help them continue the mission of being in their hands and feet uh, of Jesus at USM. Painting with Moms, uh, Sunday, March 26th from 3 to 5. Uh, ladies are invited to join us here in the Fellowship Hall for a little girl time. Michelle Clay and Lindsay Page will guide us in creating, well, not us, but guide some of y'all in creating beautiful round door hangers using stencils. Um, please let us know today if you are able to come because we have to order supplies and make sure everybody has everything they need uh, for that event. Uh, the Children's Ministry Spring Break Zoo Day is uh, this week on Wednesday. Uh, we're meeting at the zoo at 9 a.m. and there are details in the newsletter, but if you have any other questions, let us know and I know Ms. Susan can address those for you. Uh, preschool registration, we're now accepting applications for the next school year. Um, we love our preschool here and they do wonderful things, so if that's something that you would like to be a part of it. You know somebody who um, is looking for a preschool. Please let us know. Contact Dr. Oh, Dr. She would love to be Dr. Uh, Betsy Austin and Director Betsy Austin, and she would love to get you guys to come in. My kids have gone through it, and we really enjoyed it. So, All right, and that is it, all, all we have for this Sunday. I pray that you've experienced joy today, and I pray that you give that joy as you walk out. You are dismissed to be the church.